It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens! Hey, with a defective character, is three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, Danny will be sharing his experience, strength, and hope with us. In this episode 13 of the Defective Characters Podcast. Let's go. So why is there no Christmas party today? Huh? Because it's still too early, buddy. But can we have a Christmas party today and next well, week? Well, why don't we do this, okay? Let's let's uh have you know what? Whatever the heck you want. Did you bring anything though? I brought ice cream. Okay, that's not enough for a party. But There's no cake. I can get the pumpkin pie from the two weeks ago. <clears throat> no, no, that's been thrown out. Oh, I that's... brought peanut butter. Peanut butter and ice cream. Party time. I don't know. You got That's a really pathetic party. You stop drinking and all you do is do ice cream and peanut butter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's. I, if you're listening and you're, you're like, is that why I should go to a meeting? Yeah. <laughs> there's... There is more to that, and uh, today we have a great speaker, um, and uh, Danny's going to be doing it, but Dennis, if you can introduce Danny to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Danny is is my grand sponsor. I met him, I think, the first meeting I ever went to, and um, you know he's been integral in my recovery ever since I came in, and I got one story is like, you know, when I came in, I was filled with anxiety. I didn't share at all. I don't talk to people, you know, very introverted and very scared. And once I reached 90 days, we have a rule in our meeting that you, to chair the meeting, you have to have 90 days. So once I got 90 days, Danny's like, you know what? I want you to chair. And I'm like, what? No, whatever. And he's like, you're going to do it. So he walked me over to the book. He opens the book to sign up and he's like, pick a day. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay, I'll do this day. And he's like, well, no, you have to write your name in. You're volunteering for this. I'm not doing it for you. And I was like, oh, man. But, like, you know, how reluctant I was to do that and how scared I was to do that, like, it helped break through the anxiety. It, like, chairing the meeting, it, it made me a part of the meeting. And it also got me over the anxiety of talking to people and sharing and stuff. So, like, that little act of him doing that is one of the reasons why I'm semi-comfortable doing this what we're doing right now talking to all of you people uh two years ago there's no way i would have been able to do this and so without him who knows where i'd be so he's a hero in my book danny <laughs> not a hero my name is danny i'm an alcoholic hey danny i gotta tell you this is strange you know i'm used to if i speak it's in front of a room full of people and i'm sitting in here with with four, five other guys, and um, it's kind of weird, but uh, we'll see. Um, you know, Dennis said that, you know, what I did, and, and the truth is the only reason why I did that is because somebody did it for me. And Can you uh, can you uh, tell us your sobriety date? Yeah, I'm gonna, I was going to get into that all that oh. stuff. I'm just trying to interrupt you and be as rude as possible. And, you, and he did it well. <laughs> Go figure. Well, he says they're defective characters, so he just proved it. Yeah, that's yeah, just one absolutely. of them. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> my, sob my sobriety date is February 28, 
uh, Celebrate the Morning and Celebration is my home group in Florida, here in sunny Florida. And uh, I have a sponsor that I actually use. I've had the same sponsor, not that I'm sober all that time, but I've had the same sponsor for 42 years. And, uh, and you know, it's amazing to me, and I say this, and, and I don't know if it's for everybody, but it's to God's honest truth. We've never had a harsh word between us. Actually, before I started this, I called them, and I said, I'm doing a podcast. You've never done that. Mm-hmm. So I got one up on him. Anyway. <laughs> He speaks at big meetings. I speak at a podcast. Not that it, not that it really matters. Not, not that your ego is getting in the no. way or anything. <laughs> you know, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that it's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to carry the message of, an, of Alcoholics Anonymous because if not for that, and if not for getting me somebody to sign up when I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't be sitting here. Um, you know, my parents told me a long time ago that uh, I was 24 when originally I came into AA, and they told me that they were preparing for my death. And today I have kids. My son is 43. My daughter is 41. Um, my stepkids. Uh, I have grandchildren. I'd like to say that my grandchildren have never, never saw me drink, but that's not true. Um, and uh, But, you know, I've, I've lived a life that I've been able to live because of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd like to start off by, this is, this is for Bernie S. Bernie was my first sponsor. I met him at my first meeting. He took me to my first meeting. And uh, I was 24 and he was 73. And uh, no longer was I concerned that you know, he was too old and I'm too young and, and any of that stuff. And I just couldn't live the way I was living anymore. I didn't want to live and I didn't want to die, and I couldn't figure out what to do on my own. I had tried every other kind of way to stop drinking, and the result was always the same. I'd be drunk and miserable and, and just all the stuff that comes along with that. So it's funny how it happened, and I, I think this is an important story. So I was in a, in a psych ward, <clears throat> and the psychiatrist that put me in there put me in there not because of drinking, but because he thought I was crazy. Because he had put me in a regular hospital, and as soon as I got out, the day I got out, I got drunk again. And so he figured I couldn't be an alcoholic. I must be crazy. So I was in there for a couple of weeks, and somehow I heard that there was an AA meeting downstairs. And I went to the nurse, and I said, listen, there's an AA meeting downstairs. Can I go? And she said to me, and this is when I found out why I was there. She said, you're not in here for alcoholism. You're in here because you have mental problems. So I, I begged her. I actually begged her. It was in Kew Gardens, Queens, and, uh, and she had a call. I don't know if she called the psychiatrist or the director at a hospital or whatever. And they said, okay. So they took me downstairs. I was in my psych ward pajamas, and I had a couple of guards with me. And so they sit down in a meeting. I, these people standing around me, and it, it's a big room, and it, they got this old guy in the front chewing on a cigar. And I hear, I don't know anything else except I hear phone numbers. So at the end, before the meeting was over, they were taking me back. And I stood up and I screamed up to the front of the room, I want your phone number. Now, I have to tell you that if I was sitting up there and some guy in pajamas with guards asked me for my phone number, I might think twice about it. But uh, he said said a phrase that I've come to love and appreciate so much. He said, come up here, kid. And he called me up front, and he gave me his phone number. At least I think it was his phone number. <laughs> um, anyway, I never called it. You know, we, get, we have these moments where we do the right thing, and then 
the disease for me takes over and, and I go back to doing things the way I think they should be done because I want to run the show and I know what's best for me. Um, thank God today uh, I found out that Alcoholics work, Anonymous works best if I don't know what's best for me and I depend more on God than on me or certainly on a sponsor or friends that I have in the fellowship. So anyway, <clears throat> he gave me the phone number. I went home. Well, I didn't go home. I, I got drunk that day and I got off the bus and I was staggering down the block to my house. This is after being away and... My mother saw me through the kitchen window. The kitchen window looked right towards the bus stop. And uh, she had to do something that she had to do many times. She had to get the neighbor across the street and they had to come and carry me home. And, uh, and that was the day her mother died. And, uh, you know, so once again, when people were depending on me because she was waiting for a sober son to come home, you know, so she could have somebody to lean on, once again, I disappointed her. I let her down, which was... The common cause and uh so we went up to the wake i lived in new york city at the time and uh in queens and the wake was up in kingston which is about two hours away and one day i was so drunk that i couldn't even make the wake my father had to stay with me instead of being with his wife and uh that was kind of it wasn't the day i stopped but it was kind of my bottom because you know, as drunk as I was, I couldn't drink away the looks of disgust and pity and, and all the other stuff that goes along the way people look at us, especially, you know, strangers, but especially the people that love us, the way they look at us, like, you know, why? You know, that's the big question, why? My father would always say, why, look at me, I can have two drinks and stop, why can't you? And, and the truth of the matter is, I would always say to myself, not to him, but I don't know why. I don't know why I can't stop. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be this way. I know I'm disgusting. I know I'm pitiful. I, I'm 24 years old and have no life. I don't want to be this way. I didn't know how to stop because every time I stopped for a day or a week, the only thing I knew was that, you know, you, you then congratulate yourself, you know, and, and how the heck does an alcoholic congratulate himself that's with, that has untreated alcoholism is to have a drink. And uh, so... I came back and things just got worse and worse and worse. And then one day I said, um, I think probably what happened, and it, it's kind of, it was a while ago, so I'm not exactly clear on it, but I think what happened was I asked God to help me. You know, not one of those things, get me out of this one, you know, and I'll never do it again. But I think this one was, God, please help me. And there's a thing in the 24-hour book, and it's the only line I remember in the whole book. It says, prayers of desperation through, through, the, through the darkness directly to God's ears. And, uh, and I think that's what happened. And uh, so the next day I was 12-stepped. I had to show you, it was a while ago. I had a retired streetcar conductor and a priest 12-step me. And, uh, you know, they said things, and I don't remember what they said, but they did say one thing that I held on to. See, I believe that our, our job in Alcoholics Anonymous, whether, you know, somebody's new or they've been around a little while and they're going through stuff, is to give, you know, we're not solving people, so I'm not solving people's problems. But I think our job is to give somebody hope. And that's what they did for me that day, that maybe, just maybe, I didn't have to live this way anymore. And they told me that then, well, they told me two things. They told me that somebody would pick me up the next day, be standing outside at nine o'clock in the morning. 
And the last thing they said to me was, do us all a favor, take a shower. And because uh, I had been living on the street for a while and it just, it wasn't pretty. The next day I'm standing outside and I'm doing my little dance and uh, a car pulls up and uh, it's this guy that I met in the psych center. And, you know, you could say it's just a coincidence. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But to me, it's always been the hand of God, you know, reaching out to give me a little boost, to give me a little help. And then, uh, so Bernie started taking me to meetings. And little did I know that he had called this guy, Dennis, who is still my sponsor today. And he said to him, I got this guy. Yeah, I know. I, I sound like I'm from the city. But I got this guy. And you pick him up. To, he didn't ask him, what are you doing or can you? He said, you pick him up tomorrow night. And Dennis picked me up tomorrow night. So I, went, I had the old guys taking me around in the morning. And I had the young guys taking me around at night. And I liked the old guys in the morning because they didn't expect me to do anything. You know, if I brushed my teeth and shared it at a meeting, they clapped for me. You know, uh, so they were always congratulating me. And meanwhile, the, the, the other guys at night, the young people, they all had jobs and stuff. They wanted me to go and get a job. And, you know, I was collecting unemployment or something like that and, you know, going to meetings. And that was fine with me. And I would have stayed like that for, for quite a while. Um, but once again, people of Alcoholics Anonymous and I should probably talk more about my drinking, but I have to tell you this. There was this guy, and this is his actual name. Well, I, I can't tell you his last name, but his name was Tony I. And he had, a, he had a big jaw on him, like something you would see made out of granite. And I used to, he used to tell me, have you looked for a job? And I was like, you know, I'd have all my kinds of excuses. And then one day he said to me, don't talk to me again until you get a job. I had a job a week later. Now, was that because of Tony? I think it was because it kind of motivated me to look for a job. And uh, by the grace of God, I've worked ever since. Um, you know, I, I had several jobs and eventually I got a career. And uh, one of these guys mentioned that I usually don't. I was, uh, I was a New York City firefighter and I retired from that job. And, you know, when you think about that, I was a drunken bum and I became a firefighter, something that I was proud of. Um, I, I get a little shook up because there's other stuff that goes along with it that I will not mention here. Um, but, uh, but I was very proud and grateful to do that. So I went along with my life. I was going to meetings and you know what happens and I had girlfriends and then I met somebody and we got engaged and we got married and you know, the more time my life outside of AA grew, my life in AA diminished. And eventually I, I happened. You ever notice at meetings, there's a lot of people between one and five years and a lot of people over 20 years. There's not a lot of people between five years and 20 years that go to meetings. And that's exactly what happened to me. And uh, I lasted... About 14 years, I didn't go to a meeting. I went to a couple. I moved. I went to a couple. And when they didn't roll out the red carpet for me and say, Danny Messina's here, um, you know, I was like, ah, oh, they don't know what they're doing. This is different. Yeah. And it was. It just wasn't the same. But that's, that was not their problem. They were sober. I was not. And eventually the day came um, where a drink sounded like a good idea. See, I would tell you all along that I will never drink again because I know what it does to me. 
And then there's a lot of stuff that went on before that. But this, the day came where I decided to drink. We were at my kid's house. We were driving home. And somewhere between his house and home, I decided to drink. And I had a liquor full, cabinet full of booze. See, they had said to me in the beginning, don't keep booze in the house. Well, I'm not drinking. I know what I'm doing. I had a liquor cabinet full of booze. And I'm not telling anybody else what they should do. It's entirely up to me, up to you. But uh, I have no booze in my house today. Let me put it that way. Um, and uh, so the second we got home, my wife went upstairs. I, I opened up a bottle and I took a sip and I felt that warm burning going down. And the exact words I said to myself were, oh, my God, what did you do? Because I didn't think it was going to be different. I didn't think it was going to be okay. I didn't think I was going to have one drink and stop. And I was going to see somewhere along the line when my thinking started to change. We lived up in the country and I had a lot of property and stuff. It was nice. I mean, here I was sleeping on the park bench. Now I got a house. And I would look out the window and I'd say, wouldn't it be nice if I could get a blanket and a little picnic basket and a bottle of wine and go sit outside with my wife and sip the wine and look at the stars? <laughs> I never drank that way in my life, but that was... And now, you know, when an alcoholic starts thinking that way, he's in trouble. Or I was in trouble, but I didn't realize how much trouble I was, was in because I wasn't talking to anybody. I was talking to myself. And what's that saying? An alcoholic by himself is in bad company. So, uh, so I drank. And it was a nightmare. My body no longer tolerates alcohol. I drink for two or three days. I'm in detox. And then I was in, I had never been in a rehab. You know, it would be one of my claims, you know, of the yets. You know, I had never been in, de I've been in psych ward, but I'd never been in detox and I'd never been in rehab. Well, now I've been in four detoxes and probably four or five rehabs. And I, I had the claim of fame, you know, and I was the guy, when I picked up a drink, I was sober for 24 years. Not that that matters. Um, so everybody that I dealt with, the counselors on my job, the counselors in rehab, they would all say the same thing. You know what you got to do. That's the most dangerous thing you could say to this alcoholic. You know what you got to do, especially when my mind is not right. I have, the, I have the mind of an active alcoholic. The only thing that's missing is the liquor. And, uh, you know, every time they would say that, in my sick mind, that would give me the upper hand. Like, that gave me permission to do whatever I wanted because I knew what I was supposed to do. And uh, it just got bad, and I was AWOL from work, and I was about to lose my job. And no counselor in, in, in the EAP unit. No, only one guy would work with me. All the others, if I called up, they would hang up on me um, because I did what we do. I lied. I used. I schemed. I lied. So none of them would work with me except this guy, Mike B. And uh, he never gave up on me. And... Uh, you know, I became sicker and sicker and more and more pathetic. You know, I lived in the country, like I said, so, you know, I would be out in the snow in my underwear three or four o'clock because I had a bottle stashed in the garage because I couldn't keep it in the house. So I would be out in my underwear three or four o'clock in the morning standing in the snow, no shoes on, no nothing, drinking, drinking and puking because that's what I do. You know, it goes down as quick as it goes down, it comes back up. And then after a while, you, you keep doing it, and eventually some of it will stay down for me. And, uh, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, like it does, you know. My drinking never gets better. It only gets worse. And the, uh, the emotional 
and mental price became worse and worse and worse. And I just, you know, it, it talks about in the big book how we know loneliness like no man something. But it talks about that loneliness. And then it says, you wish for the end. And I did. I wished for the end. And uh, this guy, Mike, called me up one day. And basically, he told me, he called me up later on. He said to me, uh, "We call. I'm calling you just to see if you're still alive. And, uh, you know, my wife had called my sponsor, who still lived down in Queens, and they came up one day. And I remember when they drove away, him and this guy, Denny, he just celebrated 40 years about a month ago. And uh, they drove out of my driveway, and I was standing there, and I, and I felt just like a child. Please don't leave me. I can't do this without you. And, uh, you know, and I have a lot of tears, of course, when I'm drinking. <laughs> I don't know if it's good or bad, but I have as many now, but it's for a different reason. Um, but I, I realized today it wasn't necessarily them that I would needed. It was the guys that are sitting around this room, the guys that are sitting in here. They're the people that I need. I need the people of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I need what they have to give me. I, I need what they have to offer. Um, and um, and I, I got a sponsor. You know, and I realized something. In my years of, of drinking and not drinking, um, I had somehow become smart. Uh, and two lines that I use whenever anybody would talk to me, if you want to turn somebody off fast, you use these lines. They turn right away and walk away from you after a while. Yeah, but, and I know. You know, and, and because I had nothing else but the time that I had been sober because my life was just a shell of what it had been, the second somebody would talk to me, I'd be, I know. And, uh, you know, you use that enough times and they just turn around and walk away because you, you, you can't talk through a brick wall. You know, and uh, what I found out when I got honest with myself and with them, the same people that walked around, away from me turned around and, and surrounded me. You know, the love of the people of Alcoholics Anonymous is an, an amazing thing. You know, nobody asks you who you are, where you're from, you know, what you look like, you know. It doesn't matter, you know, all they all they care about, or at least the people that I love and, and love me, all they care about is that I'm there and I want to get better. And that's a truly amazing thing. Um, and uh, I forgot that at one time. And, and I, I thank God that today I still remember it. And, uh, you know, I had I had become too smart. Um, and when you're too smart, you can't do anything. You can't get better. You can't learn anything because the second somebody tells you something is that, yeah, I know, or yeah, but, and nothing gets in. You know, 90 meetings in that? Oh, yeah, I know that. Well, I know I need to make 90 meetings in 90 days, but I was going to one meeting a week. You know, matter of fact, I had a friend of mine. I had 90 days, and uh, we were at this meeting. It wasn't my home group, and he called me up, and he gave me a 90-day coin. And, you know, I should have been proud. I was ashamed. <laughs> Sick son of a gun. But I, the reason why I was ashamed is because I knew I wasn't a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was just occupying space. And, uh, and so somehow, even though I wasn't drinking, I was cheating the process. I really wasn't, but in my sick mind, I was. And uh, right after I got the 90-day coin, I went out and drank. <laughs> Go figure. Um, so 
you know, I've managed to, uh, I've managed to stay sober a little while. Um, you know, I def think the difference between today and, and the first time is that I don't think I have it made. I don't think I'm all that. Um, I know I'm just another bozo on the bus and I'm grateful for the life that I've been given. You know, go, I, I, we're talking from Celebration, Florida. And, uh, and I own a home in Florida. And that house is paid off. I don't even have a mortgage. And again, like I said before, I was sleeping on a park bench and in a park bathroom in the winter. And now I have a house that's paid off. You know, so, you know, is that because of me? Eh, maybe I did the stuff. Maybe I put one foot in front of the other. But I've truly been blessed. So, you know, I don't know how much I said or didn't say. Um... I got to end this thing, but I will tell you this. If you're new, just coming back, just coming back is hard, man. And, you know, just get stupid because smart is going to kill you. Just get stupid. You know, I was just telling somebody the other day on the phone, just go to a meeting. Listen, listen with your heart, not with your head. And get it, get, see somebody that has what you want and ask them to help you. You feel shy about asking somebody to be your sponsor like you're asking them for a date? I understand. But just ask somebody to help you. You know, you don't have to put any fancy terms to it. And then, you know, like the, the question I always ask somebody if they ask me, and I'm sure they'll ask you, is what are you willing to do to get sober? Uh, well, I don't know. See, when somebody asked me that question, I knew what the right answer was. So I wasn't sure that I was willing to do anything. But, of course, that's what I said. The difference between not drinking today and, and drinking or, or being miserable is my willingness to take suggestions. Um, and after all of this time, if I called Dennis and he said to me, this is what I want you to do, I wouldn't question it because he's never lied to me. He's never lied to me once. I would never question it. I would say, okay, and I would do it um, because... I know what's out there for me. See, I had a I had a test of waters again, and it was it was a nightmare beyond words. I don't, you know anybody that's well, if we've been through it, you know I don't have to explain it to you. You understand. I, I know Bill says it in his story. I think he says it best. Quicksand surrounded me. I was overwhelmed. Alcohol had become my master, and uh, today alcohol is not my master. Hopefully, on a good day, God is my master. Uh, because I know what, that's where this power comes from. That's where this strength comes from. So if you're new, just give yourself a chance, man. You know, just don't drink today. Go to a meeting. You know, I, I couldn't stay sober by myself. But with you guys, you know, what's the old saying? And I, I have all these old sayings running through my head. But we could do together what I can't do alone. You know, that was true then. It's true now. Um, I like to thank the... Uh, <laughs> the defective characters for asking me to do this. It's been a while since since I told my story. It's a little different down here than it is up in New York. So it's been a little while, and uh, this has been a, a particularly tough year medically. I've had a lot of problems, and um, but uh, you know, and and when I was having all those problems for a while, I was in my own head, and uh, you know, I, I once again I was reminded that left to my own devices, I don't think right. And uh, once again, I turn to the people of Alcoholics Anonymous and to God. 
and today I'm okay. I didn't drink. I won't drink today. And I thank you. God bless you. Thank you. No. It's not often we have a studio audience, but it seems, <laughs> seems like it's catching on in, uh, in Celebration Florida. And I, I'm excited that, uh, that this life is something that honestly can catch on. You know, like I, I, didn't, I didn't think life looked like this. Um, my name is Mike, alcoholic, by the way. Uh, since they're listening, they're like, who is this? Um, there's a lot that I could identify with Danny. And uh, as Dennis was introducing you, um, greatly, by the way, Dennis. That was, that was <laughs> Appreciate nice. Appreciate it. I rehearsed yeah. it for yeah. five hours yesterday, <laughs> looking in the mirror. We actually didn't know that you were going to be speaking today, so that's a lie. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> but that is here's here's what I really liked is before that I moved to Celebration, Florida, um, I didn't even know that I was going to, I was just vacationing here. And I heard you speaking at the meeting in you and not to get too inclusive, but you, Ray, uh, Brian, like I remembered your message and you in particular because of your uh, New York accent and I grew up in Boston it made me feel like a bit of what up accent? north was down here. Yeah, what accent? Yeah. What accent? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I think it is? I think it's the personality that uh, if you're from uh, those areas, it can it can seem so like warm and inviting to everybody else that's not. You know, like it's the opposite <laughs> where like it uh, it felt like home. So it was a bit of like, wow, like that's a great meeting. And, and you were one of the... I would say pillars of that meeting that made me say, if I move to celebration, I want that to be my home group. Uh, and it was a lot too because of the message of, uh, that I could identify with of, you know, everybody, the first couple times that I would uh, tell my story, they would say, put the bat down because I would really beat myself up and be really dark and emotional with my shares. But this thing is serious. I know rule 62 says don't take life so seriously, but if I pick up a, a, a drink again, the odds of me stopping, I don't know. I don't know what they are, but I know that if I keep going to meetings and keep sharing and uh, keep connecting with my sponsor, those odds drop dramatically. You know, um, the, the bozos on the bus that you were talking about, my home group was one that was a beginner meeting. So when I got sober in Burlington, Vermont, they would bring the bus full of the bozos actually from the rehab to to the meeting and we would say oh yeah the bozos on the bus are here but the thing was it was a term of endearment because those people uh if they wanted it we had it to offer up like hey this is the life that we have you know and it's something that um that love that you were speaking about and i'll just end with this identification uh, a friend of mine that doesn't get aa at all was talking about the movie a star is born with Bradley Cooper and I told him that I didn't drink anymore and uh, you know like I shared with him that and he said then he saw the movie and he was just crying through the whole thing because he pictured me as that character and he said is that really how it is and uh, with my story bits of that yeah like embarrassing myself and peeing on the on the stage in front of so many people yeah, yeah I had, I had done I had done very <laughs> embarrassing things where I don't deserve to be forgiven for a lot of those things. And you know, some people don't forgive me for a lot of those things. And I still after doing 
my ninth step, I have people that do not forgive me. And I have to accept that and move on. And I'm not going to drink over it. But I'm glad that I actually have uh, the wherewithal that my sponsor is like, you're doing the best you can. Move forward. If it's you know uh, their, their plan to actually forgive you and be in your life again, great. If not, just don't drink over it. Just keep keep trying to do the next right thing, which is so important. So uh, honestly, Danny, thank you so much thank for, you. Um, for that. And, you know, I'm not blowing smoke. I, every single meeting you're there, uh, I do smile uh, just knowing, because it takes me back. It takes me back to when I first moved to town and uh, hearing your message. And it's, it's always inspiring. So thank you for that. Thank you. Dennis? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Danny. I definitely appreciate it. I've heard your story several times, and I, it's, I always thank enjoy you. it. It's one of those stories that never get old, and it's slightly different each time. Um, like one thing that I can really relate to is early on you mentioned how you, you know, you didn't want to live anymore, but you didn't want to die. And I felt that a lot when I, before I ever came into the rooms and stuff like that. It's like, I, I knew I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live this way. And I didn't know how to live any other way. And, you know, it was coming into AA and, and the fellowship and everyone that we meet that taught me how to live another way, you know. Um, and I'll try to make this quick because I know James doesn't like when I ramble and take up his time. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, Is that sarcasm? <laughs> it's a podcast and... <laughs> James shakes his head. Like, <laughs> we can't hear this shake, dude. <laughs> He's saying, "Here we but, go again." Yeah, but anyway, I have to you, be humble. Uh, our laughter is taking up his time now. Um, but you also mentioned when you relapsed after having a significant amount of time, you said it doesn't matter. But I think it's important that, like, you know, we could have one day, we could have two days and be at risk of relapse. We could have 26 years and we're still just at risk of relapse, you know. And you mentioned how, like, your life got fuller and you pulled away from AA. And one thing that you told me early on when I first met you was don't let what AA gives you take you away from AA, you know. And, I, and that's been reinforced or whatever. And one thing that my sponsor told me was um you know as your life gets fuller or whatever if you want to keep what you have and keep doing what got you there mm. you know so like like i'm two and a half years in you know and my life is is slowly but progressively getting bigger and bigger and i try to keep that conscious as i got to keep going i go to the same amount of meetings when i started i keep doing more in a lot of ways i do more i take up service commitments and stuff like that more to keep it because I'm, uh, yeah. But either way, I'll I'll end with this. Thank Check you very every... much. And you um. And when you mentioned about your house, how you came from snowy New York and had a shovel snow, now you own a house in in Florida. You didn't mention the beautiful palm trees that you own. I have yeah. palm trees. Mm-hmm. I used to. <laughs> I know this means nothing to anybody else listening, but when I come out of my house in the morning, I'm taking up James' time now. And I walk out and I look at palm trees and I'm like, holy geez, I got palm trees. A kid from New York doesn't have palm trees. So a thank be- you, Dennis. It's a beautiful thing. Huh? <laughs> All right, James, you got 30 seconds. Quick, quick, quick. No, <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. <laughs> Danny, I want to thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming to our studio and telling your story. 
and thank you for your service. Um, I came to Celebration a little over two years ago, and you were one of the first people I met, and the f one of the first people that op that welcomed me and gave me a hug, and just there's nothing but kindness coming from you all the time, and you know I, I could see that in you. And to this day, I just whenever I see you, like Mike, I just smile. It's like, yay, Danny's here. I, I get excited. Um, a couple of things I identified with is uh, you talked about hope. Um, you know, when I first came in the rooms, I was 23, and uh, I saw a lot of hope. I wasn't ready to get sober yet, but um, I saw the kindness in people, and they saw that I wasn't ready, but they still gave me hope. Like, kind of just like, when you're ready, kid, we're here. And um, I, for over 10 years, I could never get more than a month sober. And I just slowly, slowly destroyed my life. And um, I didn't have hope for a while. At one point, I stayed out of the rooms a lot like you I, for six years because I knew that I, I, I couldn't do it. Uh, you talked about taking up space in the meeting. That's how I felt. I would go. Um, sometimes I would get out of the house when I, when I got into a fight and say I was going to a meeting just so I could go drink. And I would come home drunk, and it, it didn't make sense to my, to my ex. Like, I thought you went to an AA meeting. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, eventually God did have um, favor on me because he did pluck me out of the depths of hell that I was living in, and he brought me back, and he gave me a spiritual experience that was su sufficient for a complete psychic change, and I was able to see everything in a, in a new light. And thank God uh, I'm sober today. And I've got all my friends, and I've got my family, and my children want to talk to me today. They love me, and I love living in Celebration, Florida. It's just everything is it's so much easier now when I'm not fighting everything. And um, I, I really want to thank you uh, just for being there and being a friend. And Thank you. I, I really don't have much more time. Thanks, Dennis. You you could take all the time you want, James. That works. You guys didn't have anything else? Did you want to get the peanut butter and ice cream now? Yes, we'll have the peanut butter and ice cream now, but next <laughs> week we're having a real Christmas party. And I'm, I'm bringing eggnog. That'll, that'll be good. Just no nog for me. Uh, just the egg? Yeah, just, I just, just, want, I egg? just want eggs. Okay. Is that okay? That, that can be arranged. Right. Can yeah. you say one thing? Yeah. This is just to the... You know, I, I, I volunteered in a rehab for a while, and anybody that had, you know, kind of long-term sobriety and drank, they would bring them to me to talk to. I don't know why, but, yeah, I guess because, you know, similar, similar experiences. But my experience was every one of them died drunk. So if you're a, a man or a woman that's been around here for a little while and you picked up a drink, you could get sober again. I've never said this before, you know, on like speaking, but you can get sober again. Just get stupid. And that, I don't mean that as an insult. You can have this life once again. And I, I don't know why we were just talking. And I, like I say, I've never said that before. But, uh, but my experience is it usually doesn't happen, but it's happened for me. So thank you. Thanks, Dan. We'll be back next Thursday sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 14, where the defective characters 
entirely ready to have all these character defects removed, remember, make use of the help that God puts around you. And see you next time.